welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loisel, and with me today is my co-host, Mark Salcedo. Hi, Mark. Hi. What's going on? It's been a long week. A very long week, even though it's Tuesday. <laughs> hmm. I think it feels like the last five months is one really long week. Mm-hmm. But you know, I have something to tell you. I'm all ears. Joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Oh, wait, that's from the Eddie, right? Mm-hmm. Ah! That's the one I was looking for, so ah, I gotta find it, I gotta find I, it. I know you're talking, I know it's exactly you're talking about, too. Yes, yes, yes. If you guys are wondering what's that uh, kick-ass jazz tune that we played at the uh, top of the show, that's from the Eddie. So that should give you guys a hint. What we're reviewing, mm-hmm. which is the Eddie. Yeah, and... Mo, Mo Better Blues. Mo Better Blues. Mo Better <clears throat> Blues. Um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you can find us. Um, the Real Appeal. Two E's and Real. You can also email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. On the internet mail. On the interwebs. The interwebs. Mm-hmm. And the interwebs. Did I say that? Really? <laughs> no, you didn't. Shit. <laughs> you said interwebs or something like that. Oh, that's that's the new internet. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be hot next year. Interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can review us on iTunes, and that will help us get noticed by other people. You know, if you like us, you should. Definitely review us so other people can enjoy us. And if you don't, you should still review us. Yeah, give us five-star review. Give us a five-star review so we could torture everybody else. <laughs> no, no, no. Give us, like, a five-star review. And then, like, when you type in the comment section for the review, just, like, talk talk shit all you want. But just make sure you give us those five-star review. And make it clever. Yeah, make it clever. Don't be stupid. Stupid. Just stupid. <laughs> um, this week we're doing the news. We have a recent review of the Eddie, of course. Geriatric Cinematic is Mobita Blues from 1990. And our topic is jazz, jazz, and more jazz. All them jazz. Yeah. Just no jazz hands. No, that was Fuck last that week. Shit. That was last week. That was Jackie Chan jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> now we're just jazz, jazz, jazz. Was that last week? It feels yeah, like you it was see, three weeks you see, ago. I told you. It feels like it's been forever. <laughs> um, yeah. So... We've got some Oscar stuff. I mean, it's only... It's only a tidbit. Um, yeah, so in our news section, um, from the top, we're going to talk about uh, the Academy is actually considering postponing uh, 2020 Oscars. Uh, there was a source that spoke out, um, privately, of course, to, I believe it was Variety. And um, the quote, the person was quoted as saying, it's likely that it's likely they'll be postponed. Um, I tell you the truth. I, I mean, it's it's not concrete because there are multiple people saying that it might be postponed or it might just be moved to a different date or whatever. I honestly do think it might get postponed because nothing's coming on theaters and like yeah. a lot of stuff got uh, put on hold in production. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, there's like one story I came across that if uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet gets postponed. They're going to have to push back Wonder Woman again because they don't want to be in that same block or that yeah. same time frame of uh, film release. I think it's kind of weird. It's like this weird conundrum because if you postpone the Oscars, doesn't mm. that then cut into the next season? 
or I mean, shouldn't you just stay to your usual time frame, no matter what, yeah, so there's, that there's everything else behind it? Yeah, but you don't know if nothing will come out for the rest of the year. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it's like no studio wants to go. Okay, we're just not really seeing anything this year. Like they, every studio is like teetering on the idea of like, well, let's see what's happening. Let's see how the news pans out. Let's see what opens up, and then maybe we'll push a date or something like that. Yeah. So they're kind of like going back and forth. Um. So I kind of am thinking that they should just not postpone it because mm-hmm. of what I said. Um. Yeah, there was that idea that they were gonna um they change the rules. Mm-hmm. That uh, they were gonna accept VODs. Yeah. So I think. <laughs> but the, it's just hard to. I mean, any shooting, anything they were gonna release this year has already been shot anyway. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's not like they don't have anything to release. That is true. That's true. But it, it always comes down to money. Like it comes to mar- money and and how to market it. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, uh, you want people, like people are. The most they'll get more bang for their buck if people come to the theater because you're paying, I don't know, like let's say like twenty bucks a ticket or something like that. Trolls didn't. Well, see, yeah, I know, <laughs> right? But I think I think what happened with trolls is the the studio thought like, well, this one's probably not going to make a whole lot of money. If it's a loss, whatever, all that kind of stuff, and it made like ninety million dollars off the first weekend, mm-hmm. and that's going off of the fact that it's like twenty bucks that you rent it out. Yeah. But even when you have those twenty bucks that you rent out, a family can rent it. That's six tickets worth of twenty dollars, like gone. Yeah, yeah. You know, or five or whatever, <laughs> or four or two, or just one person watching it. Yeah, Why? one person and their three imaginary kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are there are there three fur babies? <clears throat> oh. What you don't call your kittens fur babies? No, I have one kitten. Mm-hmm. The other one's a cat. Fur babies. <laughs> sounds like you're saying Furbies with like a... Furbies. Isn't there a doll named Furby? Wasn't there a doll named Furby? No, those are the things that look like gremlins. That came out in the 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's what I was talking when about. the eyes that blink. Oh, yeah. Eyes. Furry. No, those aren't furries. Those are furries, right? Those are Furbies. Ew. I think they're creepy looking. <laughs> <laughs> so what else is going on in the news? Uh, Timothy Oliphant. Well, where Boba Fett's iconic armor in The Mandalorian in Season 2. I am cool with this. I like Timothy Oliphant. Um, he's, a, he's a legit actor. Um, I think this is kind of weird, though. Why? Well, because uh, it was announced, like, what, a week ago? That, uh, what's his name? Tamara Morrison was going to play Boba Fett. But now we have... Timmy the Oliphant's going to be wearing the Boba Fett outfit. Mm-hmm. So, um, from my understanding, I think they're... T- from from my understanding, uh, let me see, do, 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 that uh, Oliphant's character is going to come up on the Mandalorian armor. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe Morrison is going to play, like, Boba Fett, but, like, a flashback version of Boba Fett. Oh, maybe. Yeah. And that kind of... That actually goes into the uh, the Star Wars lore. That's been uh, around since like the 80s or since like the books they were coming out. Mm-hmm. That now they just call Legends. Um, a lot of people assume that Boba Fett, since they saw Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones, they assumed, oh, the Boba Fett we see in like the later Star Wars mo- storyline, mm-hmm. it's that Boba Fett. But how the lore goes is that that 
the guy that guy who played Boba Fett actually died, and whoever's wearing the armor is actually just somebody who's taking the Mandalorian armor and using it like using it as his bounty hunter like persona. He, is he maybe a clone? Who Oliphant? Or no, I'm saying like the person who's using it. No. No. no, he's just some guy who came up on the armor because like the because the the mythos of Boba Fett is so legendary that they just like okay they found the armor and they're like oh cool I'll I'll get the credit for Boba Fett and I'll get bounties on whatever I want to carry now oh okay plus you never take off your helmet because this is the way this is the way uh, from my understanding let me see all the fans can be playing an enigmatic in what is it enigmatic character enigmatic thank you enigmatic. Uh, he was introduced the character was introduced in the book aftermath in the aftermath series uh seems like vanna is a self-appointed sheriff of the tattooing based settlement freetown uh wears a mysterious set of mandalorian armor that was acquired from jawas who scavenged the wreckage of boba fett bob jeff (laughs) (laughs) sale bar shortly after the events of return of the jedi so yeah they look like it looks like that's how that's how his character is going to come up with that with that Mandalorian armor. I don't know how I feel about the name Vanth. Vanth? It's Star Wars? So. It doesn't sound Star Wars. I think it does. Cobb Vanth? That's so Star Wars. Mm. I want to name my next child Vanth. <laughs> <laughs> Your next fur baby. I know. Oh, yeah, you right. Actually, you know what? No, if I get another cat, if I get another cat, I'm going to name him um, David, David Meowie. <laughs> what? you know that's cool you know no. that's cool you know that's cool anyway but yeah this um i'm actually pretty stoked about timmy oliphant joining the Mandalorian. i really like seeing that actor whatever he shows up i can't picture him you've seen him in that he's in that show that you were watching for like a season um santa claria diet oh is he the husband uh, he's the husband yeah okay that's all i know him from and that was a horrible show He's a okay. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, so he was in the show called Justified, right? Mm-hmm. Great show, great FX show, right? Where he plays a um, uh, a marshal, not mar- what's it? um, government marshal, like martial law, not martial law. U.S. Marshal. There you go. He played a U.S. Marshal mm-hmm. uh, who goes back to like uh, the town he grew up in in like Kentucky, mm-hmm. and he like goes like head to head with his with his gangster called. Um, Oh, I'm forgetting the character's name, but it's played by Walter Goggins, mm-hmm. and it's like this redneck kind of like hillbilly show, but it's like clever, you know, like people in the South and stuff like that. And it's it's a really great show. So he plays like, and it, it's very like it's very like old West style, mm-hmm. like it's modern time, but it's told in an old West kind of way. Uh-huh. And before he did that, he was in that show that was on HBO. Um, they just did a. Um, Damn, I gotta find the name of that show. They just did a show. I'm sorry, they just did a made-for-TV movie, Deadwood. Oh, okay. And it was. And I it didn't was, see that one either, but. And that was a very Western show, and in that show, he played a sheriff in that show. <laughs> so like, he's, kinda, he's just gonna play sheriffs for the rest he, of his life. Yeah, right. And this one, he's kind of playing the self-appointed sheriff in a very Western-style TV show. Mm. So he like, you know, he knows his wheelhouse, and he even like his demeanor, the way he carries himself, it's like he's in a fucking Western. Yeah. Even oh, you know what? He was also in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. As who? He played one of the actors that teamed up with Leonardo DiCaprio on that Western movie they were working on. 
he had a very small part. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> what? No, this is worse than you think it is. Why? You said once upon a time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. My brain completely deleted the fact that you said in Hollywood. Why? Because I was like, he was in Once Upon a Time? What was uh, That show where it was like... You know, Disney. <laughs> I know my throat is made is weird. No, it's going. No. You know, it's just answering when my throat did earlier. <laughs> um, that show was like Once Upon a Time was like a CBS or ABC show or something. I think it was ABC where it was like um, Snow White and Prince Charming. Oh, Once. Yeah, it was just called Once. But yeah, it was called Once Upon a Time. And they had like Rumpel Stiltskin and mm-hmm. like all the fairies. I really like that guy. I remember it. Who? The guy who played Rumpel Stiltskin. Oh, that is a great act. That's 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 fucking Begbie from Train Spotting, the crazy dude. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it's right there. That's him. <laughs> okay. Um, so Timothy Oliphant's gonna be in Once Upon a Time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's gonna. So yeah, he's gonna show up in The Mandalorian. And um, like I said, I'm stoked about it. I know you're just like meh. I am meh. Meh. All right. I mean. I'm excited because it's Mandalorian, mm-hmm. but I kind of am like, I kind of don't care mm-hmm. about all the stuff leading up to what's going to come out. Yeah. Because I just want to watch it because I know it's going to be good. Oh, I know. I know. But they're just giving like little tidbits. They're like, you know, they're like trying to draw you back in. Like, hey, remember Mandalorian? Come on. Come on back. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Even though nobody's like, I don't want to watch it. Everybody wants to. Whoever said they don't want to watch it is a fucking liar. Yeah. Yeah. Stop lying. Yeah. Um, Scarface. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Scarface? <laughs> <laughs> Any self-respecting black man remembers Scarface. <laughs> wow, what's going on with Scarface? There's a reboot. Did you know that? I know this reboot has been in the work for like ten years, or maybe what am I maybe doing? like fifteen hundred years. I, you know what? It's been the work. You know what? I, I lie. It's been the work for over twenty years. So 1,500 years. Okay. Luca Luca Guadagnino. For some reason, I could say it just fine in my brain 10 Uh, minutes ago, and now I can't make it come out. It's Guadagnino. Guadagnino. Damn, you know, for once, I actually can say it correctly. (laughs) Guadagnino. That's not how you say it. Shut up, it is. (laughs) What's he doing? I think the G is silent. What's he doing? He's directing the reboot for Scarface. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he did Call Me By Your Name, uh, and that was with Universal. Joel Cohen and Ethan Cohen, you know, also known as the Cohen Brothers, mm-hmm. um, they wrote the latest version of the script. I guess there have been, like, multiple versions of it. Yeah, there's been a, different, a whole bunch of different outlets. Um, of the three names that are listed, Gareth Donnell Kosher. Jonathan Herman and Paul Atanasio. Do you know any of them? No, they. Uh, nothing comes to mind right now. No. Oh. So you don't care. You just know the current people, and I'm pretty sure you're okay with that. I am perfectly fine. Um, Luca, uh, Luca Guadagnino. Guadagnino. Um, <laughs> I really like his visual style. I really like it. Um, I thought once uh, Call Me By Your Name was a f- great fucking great love story and um he's the one who was behind the suspiria remake which mm. if you watch oh you've seen the original yeah if you watch the original if you watch this remake they're kind of actually two different films 
the, uh-huh. the storylines are somewhat are somewhat similar, but like tone is different, color scheme is different, it's different, and all that kind of I, stuff. I missed out on both of those. Well, call me by your name, and, and yeah, I need to I need to sit you down and watch, at least watch uh, "Call Me by Your Name" because that is a fuck. That is an amazing love story. Yeah, um, it's going to be produced by Dylan Clark um, and Scott Stuber. <laughs> Stuber, <laughs> okay, <laughs> like the movie. Stuber? Stuber. Oh yeah, we never did watch that. Anyway, sorry, go. go we on, never go. did watch it. I have this memory of watching that. That's the one with um, "Come On Now, Jami" and Dave Bautista, right? Yeah. Yeah, I never. You saw it. Did and I? you, I think you saw it and you said it wasn't that good. Yeah. And I, it was so not good. I kind of was like, did I watch that? <laughs> um, so, yeah. He's uh, Luca... Blah, 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 blah. Let's, say, let's just say Luca G. Let's just go with Luca G. <laughs> okay, what else? What else with Luca G? He's in uh, post-production on his HBO series, um, We Are Who We Are. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I, I really like Scarface. I like, uh, what a lot of people don't know is that the Scarface film direct, um, written by Oliver Stone and directed by Brian De Palma. A lot of people don't know that's actually a remake of like a 1932 film. Oh, okay. Um, I think I could hear something like that. Yeah. And, uh, excuse me. Uh, the, the Scarface is a classic piece of cinema. Al Pacino as a Colombian coming into America to like, you know, to find the American dream by selling lots of cocaine, murdering a lot of people, and taking over Miami as a drug cartel lord. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the American dream. The American dream. Right? <laughs> it's a true. It, no, honestly, if you think about it, it's a true. It is. It is a very like true like immigrant dream. Like the dude like came from nothing and then like. Literally had a giant statue in his in in the middle of his house saying the world is yours. Yeah. Um. So this remake, I, I've I've been hearing about a re sorry re, I've been hearing about a reboot for a while. The last time I heard there was a reboot where it was going to be set in the eighties again, but it was going to be um, from a black perspective and it was going to be talking. It's going to be it was going to be covering over the the crack epidemic, mm. which I thought that might have been interesting. I would love to see that, and I'm just trying to go through my Rolodex in my brain mm. of who should play the lead part in this in this reboot. Like if it was like that, like what you said. Oh, the crack epidemic. Yeah. Damn. Like which, which black guy? I know. I'm trying to think. Who's good like De- if Denzel was younger, totally would have been him. Oh, I could have had a son, John David Washington. Maybe, but I don't. I haven't seen him in anything really like emotional. Mm. like his father could like man on fire was kind of for me that hit me pretty good but i was a teenager british on washington yeah man on fire was good and that had dakota fanning yeah that was good i need to show you some other denzel stuff like um there's a couple of like really good movies he did there's that one movie he did in civil <clears throat> about the civil war mm-hmm. um fuck that name is giving the shit out of me right now that was really good. And then there's another one, another military movie. Um, Malcolm X, I need to show you that one, too. Yeah. <clears throat> That's another Spike Lee fi- flick. You know, That's really great. We did watch a Denzel Washington movie already. Yeah, though. I know. I know. But like, <laughs> I, like show you his other really good stuff. Oh, you know what? I remember he did. Oh, no. That's Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne. There's a, there's a movie version of the Shakespeare play Othello. Mm-hmm. And 
what's his name? Lawrence Fishburne is the lead in that movie, and that's a great fucking film. Um, but we're talking about Scarface instead. <laughs> we're like, this, we're just going on tangents now. I know. I'm like, I would put Sterling K. Brown in everything. Of course you would. Actually, I, you know, like, I don't know if he, he has the right intensity, but uh, like quiet intensity, but this guy's kind of crazy, so I don't think he'd be right for it. Who, uh, Sterling K. Brown? No, well, yeah, I don't think Sterling K. Brown would be right for the part. That's, I think that's funny how you say, like, you put him in everything. And for my uh, media class project, I put him in <laughs> in a TV show idea we're working on. <laughs> um, who else? Black actors? Hmm? Who's the guy who played in Black Panther as his brother in the beginning? Jabba Boseman? No. Oh, you talking about the one who played uh, T'Challa's father? I think so. Oh, that dude's name is escaping me. He has a funky face. <laughs> okay. That's very, very descriptive. Um, well, his nose kind of looks like someone just stuck it there. Like, okay. Like, it doesn't belong on his face. Who would he play? I don't know. Let me see. I don't know. His name's not coming up. He was in that scene where they were in the room before they got busted in on. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm not really. Oh. Dora Mahaja. I don't know. I've really seen I'm not seeing the guy's name right now. Okay. Well, maybe that guy, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> the guy whose name you can't see yet. <laughs> okay. So um, what else is going on in the news? We got a we got a huge news docket actually. Yeah, uh, I actually am excited about this one. Um, there's going to be a Furiosa prequel. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know who Furiosa is, she was in Mad Max Fury Road. Um, she was played by Charlize Theron, um, and she, she won't she won't be back to play that, but yeah, because it's a prequel and she's getting older, you know. Mm-hmm. They, the actually the article said, um, Miller actually had said that he. Oh, the guy you're talking about before we before we um, completely forget the guy you're talking about from Black Panther. His name is uh, Anton Duana Cain. That's the guy. That's the actor who played the young uh, T'Chaka. T'Chaka. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. Go on. Um. So what was I saying? Oh, Miller said that. Um, he would love to have Charlie Stern back, but even though we've made huge strides in the technology for de-aging, um, it's just not quite there yet. So he didn't want to do that. Um, so uh, they might have someone else take her place. And who, who might that person be? Jodie Comer. Where is she from? Killing Eve. She plays, oh, you know. Shit. I bet, you, I, bet you're, I bet you're stoked about that. I am. I love her. I um, can I can totally see it. Her and her and Charlize Theron kind of look alike. If you really have to, I mean, not exactly, but they do. I think Jodie Comer's face is a little slimmer. Mm. Like, I don't know what it is, but I like. You see Charlize Theron. She, I think she looks more feminine even with her hair short. But oh, I was picturing uh, Jodie Comer with her hair short like that, and I thought she looked like a boy. Mm. But um. I think it would still work out great. I'm, I, 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 there have been talks about this prequel getting made for a while, especially after, um, after Mad Max Fury Road came out. Um, one of the highlights of that movie was 
Charlize Theron's character. Like, everybody thought, this is this Mad Max Fury Road. This is a Mad Max movie. Yeah, but, like, it's all about Tom Hardy. Yeah, exactly. And as the movie, like, played out, we, we got a different story instead. It was it was more of a Furiosa story, which it didn't take away from the character. I thought that was really great. Um, but the popularity of that character kind of, like, blew up. And people have actually been wanting, like, a Furiosa prequel. Um, I wouldn't mind a Furiosa prequel. I thought Mad Max Fury Road was fucking phenomenal it's yeah. like one and only one of us got to see the the chrome edition the chrome edition's on amazon prime <sighs> not the same as watching it on the screen your loss i took too goddamn long to get them tickets it's easy to say when you set me up for failure no i didn't yes, i gave you the link i was like go get your ticket like right now and like, i did uh, yeah and it and was, it was already sold out yeah i didn't i only had enough money for one ticket i'm sorry that's <laughs> fuck mark pay for this mark pay for that stop it you know better (laughs) i i really wish you could have seen that movie with me because i was fuck i was crying i was like it looks so fucking beautiful on the big screen you were crying those silver tears (laughs) yeah them chrome tears yeah uh but i i i still want i still would like a um a mad max sequel i uh, i i'm i'm down for this furiosa prequel Mm. But I still want my Mad Max sequel because fuck man, that Fury Road was so fucking good. I f- I'm actually really sad about this. What? That the movie came out, mm. and I can't watch it again as if I've never seen it before. Oh, I know it's one of those movies, right? It's one of those movies where yeah. you're like, holy shit! Like if I watch it again, like I'm still gonna love it, but it's not gonna be like that first. Like, don't you hate that love at first sight type feeling don't with a movie don't you hate that you like watch a movie and you're just like i wish i can go back and like re-experience that whole feeling yeah, i wish again. i could unwatch it so i could watch it again. seriously like a, like a like a great example is um like going to see uh, avengers endgame yeah like the th- when kelsey and i saw it at a press screening we lost our fucking everybody in the theater lost their fucking mind mm-hmm. about how good that shit was and like I remember leaning toward, leaning at you, and I was like, "It's so fucking beautiful!" And it's like crying all that action. <laughs> I'm a tearful guy. <laughs> or you know, within the first few minutes, that feeling of five years later, yeah. <laughs> the whole theater got quiet. We're like, "Oh shit!" That shit was so great. Just like what was it? Five years later, and there's like three people in the theater going, "Fuck!" <laughs> that shit was so great. Oh man! So, is, is there any news on when um, this this Furiosa prequel might be coming out? Um, because like so far, like she's um, what's her name? Uh, Jodie Comer is just just kind of being eyed for the role, right? Yeah, she's just being eyed for it. Unfortunately, um, it's kind of a long article, so I don't remember if it said when it was going to come out. Yeah, I think. Um, I think I did come up on another story that she said that, like, yeah, she's in talks with George Miller. So maybe 2022 then. It might be longer because George Miller takes his time. Because it took him years to get this this Mad Max Fury Road off the ground. Well, so, he should take his time if oh, it's that yeah. good. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Dude, take, your, take all the time you need. You know, it's like, you know, someone making love to you. <laughs> it's that good. Like, yeah, take your time. Is that what you say? Is that what you saying? But yeah, take your time. Yeah, take your time. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, I'm done. <laughs> like ah, fuck. <laughs> All right. Anything else from the uh, George Miller story? No. That's it. 
I know you got stuff to talk about. <sighs> All right. I got good news and bad news for you, Eggeroid fans. Bad news. Oh, we can't ask you. Do you want the good news first or the bad news no, first? No, I'll, I'll make the decision for you because that's how we got the, the docket lined up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so the bad news is that uh, Last Night in Soho has been delayed to sometime in 2021. Um, this was, if anything, this was expected because the, I mean, the coronavirus has pretty much put a stop on life. So a lot of stuff is being pushed back. Uh, of course, Last Night in Soho. So, last, last, last Night, night in Soho? So, so, <laughs> last Night in Soho is getting pushed back. Um, it said sometime in 2021. It doesn't exactly. Say, it doesn't give us an exact date. Um, that is a lot of uh, a lot. Of, that's a lot of that going around. A lot of movies that got pushed back. They're just like we're just pushed back to this year, and then that's it. Because like yeah. now the whole the whole releasing scheme of Hollywood has to be like remapped out again. Not just that, but it, it's not just about the mapping out. But then you have to re-coordinate with all of the advertising companies exactly. and like you know the billboards mm-hmm. and the um the trailer people and you know all the media push so yeah and a lot of time a lot of times this stuff i don't remember who told me this is. i don't know if it was my teacher or somebody else it was but me. <laughs> yeah it was you <laughs> um so somebody had told me that like the way how they do how studios do their um their uh like the dates they're going to reserve they plan that out like years in advance yeah, it was me. Was that you? No. Okay. I keep thinking it was you. <laughs> no, yeah. Somebody did. I, I, it might have been like my media teacher, but somebody did tell me that they were like, yeah, it's mapped out like years in advance because they don't want certain films to come out at the same time because they're like, they'll cannibalize the, yeah, the like, box office. What was it? Last year, something came out in the same day that star wars oh cats yeah like why would you do (laughs) that exactly exactly like they did that you know what it was a genius plan Hmm. hear me out okay they knew it was gonna be so bad okay that they put it with star wars Uh uh-huh so they could blame it on star wars oh yeah sure eclipsing it yeah yeah star wars eclip (sighs) i don't Let's not get into that discussion about Star Wars. <laughs> I'm just trying to just stay in my moment of zen. Just like stay no. with Star Wars. Which one was better? That's, a, that's the question that popped in my head. <laughs> which one I which one would I rewatch? And I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, maybe the the Chamber of a Gun. I remember watching that. Uh, yeah. So that's the bad news. Last night, Soho got pushed back to 2021. However, good news. Uh, Baby Driver producer Nera Park and director Edgar Wright are going to launch a um, project for Netflix. They call it's called the Complete Fiction. I think it's believe it's a studio project. Yeah, it's a production company. Sorry, it's a production company called Complete Fiction. Um, they also did this with Joe Cornish, who was behind Attack the Block. So these three are essentially going to make a bunch of projects for netflix it's gonna be um from what i understand it's gonna be a series of tv shows one is called lockwood uh it's a supernatural action adventure detective series based on the novels by jonathan strode um that will be produced oh executive produced by cornish another one is a sci-fi horror trilogy called the murders of molly southbourne from the novelist tade thompson and the historical fantasies series inspired by Oh, Islamic folklore. This seems kind of interesting. 
And then there is a fourth project. It's very under. It's it's a still under wraps, but people are theorizing that it might be uh, it might be directed by Wright, mm. which would be great. Wright hasn't directed a series since Space, which would be Ant Man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> man, don't break my heart on that again. Or who who was supposed to do the Tick or something? The Tick movie or show? I felt like that was another thing that got take, given to somebody else when somebody else wanted it more. Oh, I don't know about that. I, it was definitely Ant-Man. Or maybe I am just getting <clears throat> it confused with Ant-Man. Yeah. Um, so that's, that is good. I'm actually really stoked about this. Anything that Edgar Wright does, I, I watch. Whether it's a music video, a commercial, or a movie. I, I'm all about it. He, he, he was actually working on a documentary about this British band that he's obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that hasn't got... I don't think that's been released yet. Maybe it's still being worked on. Um, but it, to me, I'm, I'm more right. That's great. I absolutely have no idea what has happened to me, but I, for some reason, we're talking about Edgar Wright, and mm-hmm. my brain went to it would be cool if he made an Anansi the Spider movie. A what? Anansi the Spider. What's that? It was a series of books, like this little spider mm-hmm. in Africa. Like it would go through all its like trials and tribulations of the day, and it would always have like um. Like a really deep, thoughtful, like um, moral was, of the story. Yeah. So, oh, West African folk folklore. Yeah. yeah Nazi spiders. What? Where'd you come up on this? School. Wow, your school was better than mine because I had no idea this shit exists. Yeah, it's actually really cool. I like that. Still sticks with me. It com- pops really? into my head sometimes. Huh. Oh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. I'm interested. A Nazi, he often takes the shape of a spider and is sometimes considered to be a god of all knowledge of stories. Oh, I'm so interested in this now. (laughs) Oh, there's a story called Gun is Dead. How dude, what the fuck? How death came to the city. What did you just unleash? (laughs) Holy shit. Oh my god! I actually told Mark something he didn't know. I know. I did. Oh yeah, I I know you tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta bookmark this. I gotta so bookmark this. I'm, yeah. I'm so interested. I mean, in this shit. of course, the children's books aren't. It's like the Grimm brothers, right? Like the stories aren't exactly the same, but it has a lot of deep connection to it. So, uh, as Mark is like, making faces I at know, his these faces, computer. These, these titles. <laughs> it's all these stories. Like, one is like how the sky got story came to a Nazi story. How Nazis hind became big. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I remember that one. Why men commit evil at night. Children play in moonlight. Dispute are settles in daytime. And a Nazi is a Nazi's message. Wow. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. I'm still going to look this up when we're done. <laughs> You're looking it up right now. Well, no. I'm talking about like really looking uh, it up. No, I know. I know. Picking on <sighs> I know. Anyways, that's what you were talking about, Edgar Wright, and for some reason my brain's like, Anansi, he would be great making that. I'm really interested in this shit now. I love finding weird stuff like this. Especially <laughs> it's like, weird? Well, like, well, I don't say, I don't say weird. I'm sorry. I love, I love folklore. I really like folklore. Mm-hmm. So finding this, I'm just like, holy fuck, this is like my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's... um. Uh, what else I want to share with you guys about Edgar Wright? Yeah, that's about it. I mean, like that, I said... Oh, wait, you want to share that you love him? Yes, I love Edgar Wright. 
Um, Eggert. He has play writ, he playlists on Spotify. Oh, I follow his playlists on Spotify. <laughs> follow him on Instagram, Twitter, Faith. Don't say that. I'm just kidding. I know, and I know he lives in LA somewhere. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> so he's going to see some creepy, creepy fucking. Creepy? Yeah, creepy. Some creepy black dude is like peering over the corner of like Amoeba, Amoeba Music whenever he's there shot. Well, whenever, when it was open. Yeah. Um, yes, this is the Real Appeal Egger podcast. Egger <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, that's enough. Right, that's enough. Right, all right. That's that's what's happening. No one knows what uh, the fourth project is, but it's it's keep it's keeping a, it's kept under wraps, and supposedly people were theorizing that it might be Wright himself, either writing it or directing it. I hope it's both, because man, I would just love to watch that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I want to see more of his stuff because I've only experienced Baby Driver, which was really good. I showed you Hot Fuzz, haven't I? Yeah, and you showed me the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, yeah, and then. That last one was the one that uh, was like the aliens. That wasn't part of it. Yeah, the Cornetto trilogy. That was the last one. Yeah. Um, the in, the world's end. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I showed you all his movies. I even showed you um, those. Those are all of his movies. Those uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, mm-hmm. which you were just like, "Whoa, that's too much going on." No, but I still liked it. There's that, and then Baby Driver, okay. and that's it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I he's keep, based. Hmm. And spaced. I've seen. I've shown you maybe like what two episodes of that. Yeah, something like that. But it was good. Yeah, we didn't actually even need to finish that series because that the entire series is on YouTube. So we should actually just sit down and just watch the whole thing. I'll have to start over. <laughs> Please, I will <laughs> gladly watch it over, <laughs> all over. I've seen that series like a thousand times. Yes. All right. So that's it for our news. Yes. Now we're gonna do our recent review of the Eddie. Kiss me. Fantastic tonight. First time I've seen my clone food. Hey, bonsoir. On est fermé. Hey, 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 hey. I'm here for money. What's wrong with you? How much do we owe? Triple. Your club has debts. Your club has big problems. On a mis tout ce qu'on a. Tout, tout, tout ce qu'on a dedans. How would you feel about playing the song that I wrote? Where you going? Come down, come down. What is the problem? Nobody's having fun. I'm trying to understand what am I doing here. The synopsis is, a French club owner deals with the everyday chaos of running a live music venue in the heart of Paris. I think that's funny because he's not French. He's in France. He's not French. He's American. That is true. In France. But okay. Um, Created by Damien Chazelle. Um, You know more about him than I do. Damien Chazelle? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He's the guy behind uh, Whiplash, 
uh, La La Land. Um, I like La La Land. Whiplash made me think of the one video game that came out a long time ago. Wipeout? No, Whiplash. What's that? What game is that? It's like a rabbit and like a squirrel or something or handcuffed to each other and they're trying <laughs> to get out of like a like a lab, like a testing facility. Mm-hmm. And they get into a fight with like the lunch lady or something. Holy shit. I love that fucking game. It was great. Wait, this can't be right. What? Okay, so Damon Chazelle. He did he was behind First Man and all that kind of stuff. But he also did the screenplay. That can't be right. He worked on the screenplay for 10 Cloverfield Lane. Really? Yeah, his name is on there. Wow. He has talent as a writer. Holy shit. Did you have you had doubts? I mean, I I mean his his things are very his um his style of storytelling is very music oriented. Mm-hmm. Um as in case Whiplash and La Land and and even the the Eddie, so seeing his name on Ten Cloverfield Lane is just like that's a that's a really like hard not hard but it's a sci fi film. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of shocked by that. Anyway, sorry I didn't mean to take away your thunder. No, it's okay. I was just talking about the greatest video game ever. <laughs> okay, so who's in this? Uh, who's in this joint? Andre Holland as um, Elliot Udo, Joanna Kulig as Maya, Layla Bekti as Amira. Um. It's funny because a lot of the people that are in the band mm-hmm. actually played as like themselves. So like um, Randy Kerber played Randy, mm. Ludovic Lewis played, played Ludo, Ludo, yeah, yeah. Um, Jowie Amisil played Jowie. <laughs> Makes <laughs> sense. Um, I know you like Damian Nuevo who played Jude. I did like that guy. I, I like the I like that guy. Um, so, the show. I was kind of conflicted with this show at the beginning. Um, the driving the, the 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 main attraction part of the show for me was um, the fact that it's jazz, and you know me, I love jazz. You love jazz as well, and it's Damon Chazelle. We yeah. we were both fans of Damon Chazelle's work. We even saw La La Land at a live orchestra show, which absolutely amazing mm-hmm. so of course that like attracted us which i'm sad because you know i thought you loved the movie the way i did who la la land yeah and then all of a sudden you're like you know it had its problems no don't get me wrong i when la la land came out i was blown away by it. i thought it was fucking great but as i started thinking about it more and more i started really finding the issues with it and that's just more of like this is the way how they kind of betrayed hollywood as a very on the very white side of it <laughs> Yeah. That doesn't take away from it being a good movie. It's just I have... My issues are a little bit deeper on it than yours. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, if you want to think about it that way, Mm. the main female character kind of gives up her shit for a guy. You're talking about uh, Emma... Emma Stone. From Lala? Yeah. Um, But I still don't sit here and be like, oh, it had its issues. I okay. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, um, okay, so uh, yeah, I was I was the first the first couple of episodes I was pretty conflicted because um, some of it I could not see what the fuck was going on because some of the way how it was shot was a bit too dark. I could see it well enough. Mm-hmm. My issue is we're just following people. 
Yeah, and there was I, a lot of two. And I kind of like that, but you, most people do it better than he did it. Yeah, his handheld, his his ability to do a handheld camera movement was kind of hectic. It was almost like Paul Greengrass level from like the first Bourne movie, mm. where it's just like shaky cam and shit like that. Yeah, there was a quite a bit of that. Um, but after after the the first two episodes, it seemed like it really picked up. Really? Yeah, well, yeah, it got it, it got better than from the previous two. Oh, you're just like, hmm. It didn't pick up till the last two episodes. Really? I th- okay, I didn't, I don't want to say it picked up like, like astronomically. It wasn't like, oh my God, this show's a whole lot better now. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, you're keeping my interest enough to have me stick around to see how this story develops. Yeah. So you're saying on a scale of like not going anywhere and then finally getting somewhere, mm-hmm. it's at a, Maybe we're walking with a cane. We no. <laughs> I would say with a walker. I said we're walking with a few a few moments of power walking. But you're struggling to chew gum at the same time. Yes, I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to deny that. Uh, one I, one thing I did like is I do I did like some of the acting. Like uh, Andre Holden, Holden. Mm-hmm. I really like his acting. That dude's a, a great great actor. Ever since I've seen them in. Um, Oh, I can't remember. I'm just, I'm blanking out on movies again. He did this movie that was on Showtime or Cinemax that was truly awesome. It's about surgeons. About surgeons. Yeah, in like the turn of the century. Oh. Um, I liked his acting too. While you look up what he was in, mm. um, I liked the fact that he didn't really have a whole ton of dialogue. Mm. All of the time. Mm. But you still got a sense of what his internal dialogue was. Yeah. So you didn't need that. Um, so I guess that's... But at the same time, and it had to do with the writing and not with his acting, mm. you do wish there was more. Because there were times where you're like, I don't understand why he's making this choice. The, that show I'm just also referring to is The Nick. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that season finale. Just, man, that was so great. Okay, sorry, go on. You need to tell me about that later so I can watch it. I think it's on Showtime. Or it might be on... Why are you whispering? I know. I don't know. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Go, 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 go. Um, So anyways, I wish... Even though he doesn't need to have a lot of dialogue to be a great actor, Mm -hmm. um, I wish his part was written... A little bit better. With more dialogue or something. Mm. Because... He wasn't boring, it's, it, but the but you don't understand the choices that he makes, I, and some of the scenes could be chaotic. Yeah, it's that. That's I think that's one of the biggest problems with the show is his character's motivation. You don't know what the fuck he's trying to accomplish by lying to one set of people and then lying to another set of people. Yeah, mm. and like I don't know. I kind of got this whole sense like, okay, so are they. You know, I, I will save this for the spoiler section so yeah. I could really go into it okay. um, without tiptoeing. But um, what's funny is if we're going to talk about different actors, um, Amanda Stenberg, who played his daughter Julie, mm-hmm. she was in The Hate You Give. And I thought she was pretty good in that. The Hate You Give? Yeah. Yeah. But looking back, um, I know she had a couple of really good important parts and she was great but i think the writing was also really great mm. but in the eddie 
she is kind of gets on my nerves. Okay. Um, she's just kind of bratty, like bratty and whiny and like you, they want you to feel something for her character and why she's this way, but I, mm-hmm. it, it falls flat for me. I think the reason why it might've fallen flat and it kind of, it kind of falls flat for me too. is um, there was no, like, we got a sense of like the relationship between, um, her father, uh, Elliot and Julie, like you can tell the relationship is kind of strained, but it kind of goes from like zero to like 10 really fast. On the strength, on the nature of the relationship, yeah, and there's really like, like, whoa, whoa, like, wait, like, we know that you know, we we got a sense that like, okay, something's going on, but like, can we get, can we like step to it slowly so we can kind of get that emotional punch that they're trying to deliver? Then they explain it later, mm. and then after that's done, they're like, okay, the shock value is done, yeah, and then it decelerates, like, yeah, so. Uh, I don't really think she had anything to give to the story, really. If anything, I think her character was was just supposed to add on the stress that Elliot was going through. Yeah. Trying to, like, manage the club and dealing with the cops and everything. They could have made it a little more realistic. Yeah. And, like, so yeah. in that sense, um, because it's a little over dramatic at points, mm-hmm. and they don't really... They're like the the following people around so closely and not really explaining things a whole lot. Almost, especially towards the end, it really started to feel like a play. Really. And then I'm thinking because it's Damien Chazelle and he did La La Land, mm. that's probably just his style, and maybe I don't like it. Um, like it doesn't fit every genre. Yeah, I yeah I can say that. I don't I okay. You said it feels more like a play, right? Yeah, like, you know, how the cast usually comes together at the end and there's like a, almost like a moment of... Um, like solidarity and shit? Like, not, yeah, solidarity, either solidarity or like a resolution. Mm, okay. Um, and even though nothing was really resolved, mm. you know, like, how the characters were at the end and it felt like a resolution so then like it was just it was really out of place like a play can be like okay so let me see if i can try it on this um you okay so there's a resolution at the end but it feels like there was nothing really that led up to a a proper resolution is that maybe what you're trying to get at yeah like okay. there, like there wasn't really a resolution really because but I think there's talks of them having another another season. I think so. Something okay. Um, but the, like, there's not a total resolution. It's just maybe maybe some of the characters grow. Mm, okay. Um, and then it's like, kumbaya, <laughs> we're happy. Okay. I mean, yeah, they literally sing that at the end. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. Um. Um, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and jump into the spoiler section because we got, because this is like an an eight episode series and we kind of want to dive more into like, not not necessarily each episode, but we, we do need to talk about some finer points in the episodes. Yes, definitely. All right. If you guys do not want to be spoiled, um, we're going to give you guys a little spoiler warning right about now. 
and we're here at the spoiler section, we want you guys to uh, prop your chairs up in the upright position and put some trays out of your kneecaps. We also want you to be very happy that you didn't sit there with us while that was playing because you would have been terrified <laughs> nah, I think with our would, dancing. I think they would have been mystified. <laughs> mystified why we exist (laughs) okay so the way one thing i do like about this show is how this show isn't really circling around eddie it circles around a lot of the members of the band um i'm sorry elliot um it doesn't the show doesn't really circle around elliot there's one episode where it's him that mainly focuses on him but each episode breaks down. Uh, there's like an episode about uh, Maja. What's it called? Her name's Maja, right? Maya. Maya, thank you. Maya, there's another episode on this kid named Sim, character Juke, uh, Katrina. Katrina, which was like... Katarina. Katarina, thank you. Katarina had to be like the weakest episode. Um, yeah. And they even follow uh, his daughter, Julie. So you had said that like this was this played out... This show played out like a play. I honestly, I think the show might have been better if it was a novel. If it was a novel, if it was a novel, because I it, think so too. Because like, because we we are following some of these characters, and like, I really was interested into like some of these characters' background, like Jude. Like you had said that that I I said Jude was like my favorite character. Mm-hmm. I really like Jude, and I like Sim. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see more of their private life, especially Sim, because he has a mother that's. Um, She's dying of cancer mm-hmm. and how he's trying to get money for her to go to Mecca. Because mm-hmm. we actually start following a bit of, of um, people uh, um, people who follow like the Islamic faith who are Muslim in France and how there's a, a quite a bit of prejudice against them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even one part that it kind of celebrates the joy of this religion um, when there is a funeral for uh what was the character's name farid farid yeah um because the story kind of really kicks off with elliot and farid and farid is elliot's friend they both own like this club and everything and then out of nowhere like farid dies so like there's this whole murder mystery that starts playing out mm-hmm. throughout the uh series and we actually deal with an episode where like um we deal with his funeral and and about halfway into the episode or the, or the other half of the episode is like a celebration of his life mm-hmm. and like the music and everything like that. I remember I was watching, I was like, yo, I want a funeral like that. That shit mm. looked like it was fucking popping. Yeah. Um, so I thought I have to really applaud the show for showing that because I, I thought that part was really great. That part actually had nothing to do with their religion. You talking about the party part? Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm just talking, I'm just talking about even like um, the, before that. I thought it was really beautiful the part where um his family members are like making his body ready like they yeah, wash that, that's him. what I'm, that's what i'm talking about yeah. yeah and wrapping him in the linen and stuff yeah um even though it is a very it's a very tragic scene but it really shows of like how how caring they are like to wash the body to make sure the body is clean whenever to wherever they're going in the next life mm-hmm. and it's very it's a very touching moment because like there's not like a whole lot of dialogue in that scene the scene is very silent like the tent of it it's very blue like very cold mm-hmm. like if almost like if they're in a freezer yeah and it's like a moment you where you just hear the water of the washcloth and like the yeah. bowl and stuff yeah exactly and exactly. then like it rubbing on his skin yeah but like 
So that happens. We get like the funeral scene. And then like near the end of the episode, we get like the whole celebration. Mm -hmm. The color is like bright. People are like dancing and everything. It's it's the funeral that I think anybody should really have because I've been I've been to several funerals and they can be very sad and somber and stuff like that. But I think the funerals that actually really celebrate their lives is mm -hmm. it does better service to that person who passed away. Yeah. And I thought like the way how they showed how the people at the Eddie and even like his friends really loved this guy, even though they kind of didn't really know what was going on behind the scenes, mm -hmm. but they still love this guy anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think it's interesting how, um, different people all from different other countries are all coming together. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know where Katerina's from. I don't know either. But she's like from the Ukraine or something. Yeah. And then Maya's Polish. Sim is... Um, Middle Eastern. Mm -hmm. Then you've got... Um, you got Ellie and Julie that are black. From America. And then you've got... Uh, Jude is also black, but he's French. Yeah, he's French black. What was Luda? Luda was black, but was he French black too? Luda was Luda? a trumpet player. Mm, I don't know. I think he might have been, but he was really quiet. Yeah. Didn't get his story. Um, Joey was... Joey was for like from. He was like from Nigeria or something. Something. Like yeah, from like South Africa. Well, I was like South Africa. He's from Africa, from somewhere. Yeah, um, I thought it was interesting how. <sighs> okay, I have to back <laughs> up a little bit. Okay, okay. Remember last week when I was talking about Hollywood? Oh yeah, the show Hollywood. And yeah. how forced everything was with yeah. the diversity and all that bullshit. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about the diversity, and it never even crossed my mind until I'm sitting here talking about it. And it, that, it wasn't forced. Exactly. Like, yeah. like, the show wasn't super great. It wasn't mm -hmm. bad, but it wasn't, like, knockout stellar great. Yeah. Um, But it did that well. Like, it mm -hmm. made, it normalized all of these people coming together. Yeah, absolutely. And they ca they came together, whether it was for music or something completely different. Mm. They all came together anyway. Mm. Um, and I didn't, and it was so seamless. I didn't even think about it really until now. You know what? No lie. One thing I really enjoyed um, about this it was I just liked I did I liked the chemistry between Elliot and Maya. Because they had like a they had a love hate relationship, but one thing I really really liked about this is that in a typical Hollywood film, they would make. I mean, Maya Maya is played by uh, Joanna Kulig, um, who's a Polish actress, but some people would consider her maybe plus size. Oh she, yeah, she's an average she's an average size woman. She's I I think she's actually quite beautiful, um, but if this was like made in hollywood or produced by a predominantly like hollywood studio mm -hmm. they would get i don't know like an actress who's like 130 pounds or something like that uh, cheekbones up the ass or whatever and all that kind of stuff like that like a typical hollywood look but this one she looked she looked like a french woman i mean she was polish but she looked like someone that you would think that would be in a jazz club she was european for sure yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and and Hol and Andre Holland, who I'm not gonna deny, he's like a very handsome brother and shit like that. 
he's with this woman who I want to say this woman's ever like sad. I think she's very beautiful, but like that we didn't like have to like we didn't have to make um we didn't have to make mental uh what's it called mental hurdles or whatever to be like is that relationship really authentic should that yeah. be really we just looked at it and we're just like yeah that totally works that's funny because i did actually do that when you finally meet his ex-wife yeah yeah no lie like yeah okay you know what on i did re- do the mental hurdle thing because i was like what the fuck yeah see on the real if this was if this was like a hollywood produced uh series she would have she would have played the maya character yeah and it would just been like okay they're gonna hook up they're beautiful people blah, 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 you know yeah but I like the relationship between the two. There's like this really great line. It's it's in the trailer where, oh, sorry, <laughs> that, was, that was the line. <laughs> that was, that was the, line. the line was. No. <laughs> sorry about that, folks. Uh, so the line. You better not cut that. Out. Oh, I'm not cutting it. That one stayed. <laughs> no, the the line in the movie in the show was um, where Elliot's like, "Oh, you you did great. To, you sang great tonight. You know, you should do that every night." She goes, "Fuck you." Oh it's, yeah, it's just yeah. like a playful like, "Fuck you." Yeah. So I I really like the chemistry between um, between Elliot and Maya. I thought it was really great. Um. I like that we get them towards the end of, like, she's had enough of his shit. Mm-hmm. Like, she's already had it up to here with him, and she's her attitude is there. You almost don't know whether you like her or you don't like her because she's so, like, like prickly. Like, mm-hmm. and but you can see he's like intentionally goading her. Yeah, and so you're kind of like, all right, like. I don't know. I don't know who to like then. I got a I got a sense of um I got a sense of of the character from Whiplash, JK Simmons character. Mm. I got a I got a little bit of that in Elliot. How a little. Elliot, how Elliot was like pushing the band like like you and I were listening to it and we would be like, Wow, that's, that was really good. I know there are times where you can kinda of say like, Yeah, they were off. But mm-hmm. me, I was just like, I think that sounded great. And Elliot would come up and be like, Y'all played shit. <laughs> I um I don't know I you know how I am I hear things or there are things that you're like oh I didn't know you could do that or I didn't know you know knew anything about that or whatever mm. but because I was in chorus and because music used to be kind of my life when I was a teenager mm. um I kind of think that I I can hear things a little bit more than other people I'm not like a fucking genius or anything but but you catch things better than the average person yeah. Um, a quick corre- qu- quick correction. The um, the creator of the show is not Damon Chazelle. It's Jack Jack Thorne. Oh. Uh, Jamie, Damien Chazelle did like two episodes, but this has like... So then why is he getting all this credit for it? Because I... Let me see. Or did they just need his name for people to come fucking watch it? So that's how sometimes Hollywood works is like they'll have a certain person's name, a recognizable name, and they'll have it in there. Even though if you think about it, it really has like a lot of his DNA. He probably was like in the writer's room, even if he wasn't writing the episode. So he has like probably like some uncredited writing on it as well. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about Amanda Stenberg's character, Julie. <sighs> okay. There were times I did like her, and there were times where I did not like her. I did like her closer towards the end of the season. 
I don't think whoever wrote her character really understands teenage angst. Or, like, female teenage angst. And that's the thing. Like, you... I mean, you kind of gravitate towards that because you you understand about about especially female teenage angst. I mean, I could never one hundred fully understand it. I can only kind of understand some of it. Mm-hmm. And even you were just like, "Yeah, that was just bad. That was just poorly no, not put together." Like the way that I grew up, right? Like, um, you there's issues that are there, but you don't lash out. Like, I feel like. You lash out if it's something that's really, really bad and you've finally had enough. Mm-hmm. And like, for me, I mean, everybody's different, but for me, it was like 11th grade, I almost failed because I, I gave up. Mm. Like, you don't turn into a bipolar crazy person. Yeah. I'm not saying bipolar people are crazy, but this character was. <laughs> okay. Because nothing she did ever made any sense. Um, like all of her ideas were like half cocked, like, um, she was angry at everybody, admits she's angry, doesn't do anything to really change it. Mm-hmm. Like she gives advice to somebody else, um, one of Farid's kids. Yeah. Um, then she's making grilled cheese sandwiches, like a bipolar person would, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like. Like, I really think she's just bipolar. And they would have done her more justice if they would have painted her that way. As opposed to, oh, my family doesn't want me. Yeah, and we had... uh, Some of the series... Some of the series that went out and... um, Or some of the episodes, we... There was a reveal that um, she had a brother that died. And that kind of, like... That kind of tore the family apart. Mm -hmm. But we never... We never really got an understanding of the relationship between her and, and her brother. And her brother. We got a little bit of the relationship between Elliot and Jewel and Julie. But that that seemed like in a way that was typical of what a father would do. Like there's a part where um Sim shows Sim and Julie are on a date and Sim finds a video of her dad of Julie's dad playing a song mm-hmm. on the piano, like during a like a recital or whatever. And um and he says, like, oh, this is a song that I play for my daughter whenever mm-hmm. I want her to go to bed. But, like, that's the only, that's the only like, only kind of thing of the show, the show how tight the relationship used to be. And that's just, like, mm-hmm. one little song. And that, that, that one little song doesn't explain the relationship. It just kind of, because when we get into the relationship, it's already bad. But it's like, why is it bad? Yeah. Which we didn't get a whole lot of that. That and um, the other thing I thought was strange is I they they did a really good um like if you love someone give them space like if they're having trouble let them know you care but don't smother them right mm-hmm. so he let her go live with his friends okay cool the, you had the right idea yeah what person in their right mind will let their teenage daughter live with all kinds of different people whether you know them or you don't like. In that, and then the teenage, then the teenage girl acts mm. semi responsibly because she's not with her parent. Like, that's not very realistic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because it's like her moods are changing back and forth, and it's it it it, it doesn't 
there's no there's no explanation in her background why her moods would be going would be changing up and down mm-hmm. we just kind of get it like right there yeah which is kind of a signs of a poorly of a poorly written script yeah um she's an afterthought for sure absolutely um there's even that part where uh you and i kind of discussed this uh a couple of days ago there's this part where um elliot gives julie a copy of a james baldwin book i think it's like buy the ticket i think that's the name of the title and he like wrote a little note in it and said like hey julie um i think you might like this book dad and she reads the book but after she reads the book like the relationship grows stronger. I've I've read a few James Baldwin books. That one I have not read, so I don't really understand why they are why they gotten closer. Mm-hmm. And they could have really like fixed that with just like one or two lines of dialogue explaining the meaning of the book or what it means, at least what it means to Elliot. Right. Like there's only like one part where he goes, you know. Like, did you read the book? She goes, yeah, it's a good book. And he goes, yeah, we have a lot of history here. And he's, like, referring to France. And, like, that's it. And, like, it's, and yeah, and it seems like, okay, the relationship is now good. And it's, like, there was no, there was no, like, no, no, there was an understanding, but we never, like, as a viewer, I never got that understanding between the two. It was just like, oh, we're just all good now. It was called The Price of the Ticket. The Price of the Ticket, okay. Um, It's weird, too, the... The book mm. didn't come as a book. Mm. It came in a manila envelope. <laughs> that was a very big book. Well, yeah, it was a big hardcover book. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it was in a manila envelope. Okay. Like, why wouldn't you just give someone the book? If you're yeah. not going to wrap it. <laughs> I guess because it was supposed to be like, this is cool. No, yeah. I think they wanted you to believe it was Emancipation Papers. Really? Or something. Really? Because like, I was kind of like, what is that? Like, is uh-huh. he like giving her her freedom if that's mm. what she really wants? Mm. Okay. And it took her two days to fucking open it. Yeah, it was just a book. Maybe it was. You know what? Now I'm picturing like how that manila folder looked uh, or the manila envelope looked. It, the, the, the density didn't match up with the size of that book. <laughs> Like maybe maybe it might have been emancipation papers, but they're like, oh no, change it to a book, change it to a book. We'll we'll, we'll change it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there were a couple of times where she was with Maya, and they were like smoking weed, mm-hmm. which I'm like, you know, whatever. Adults do that. Like they'll yeah. be cool with teenagers and shit. But hip and cool and all that shit. There was one time where Maya came home and like Julie was like kind of rude to her mm-hmm. she did something that was really rude and then i don't remember what exactly it was but it, they just ended up smoking weed together like like it was bad enough to me that i would i would be like no fuck you go live with your father like get out of my house <laughs> so you're not as cool as maya just take that abuse <laughs> no <laughs> well, either you respect mary get the fuck out <laughs> I'm that's, helping that's the, I'm helping you. If you can't respect me and I'm helping you, then mm-hmm. take a fucking hike. That's the problem. She's not supposed to respect you. You're just supposed to like her for who she is. I don't like eight. anybody for who they are. <laughs> uh, so the last two episodes, I think the last two episodes really helped the show because we got better on track on what the show started with. Mm-hmm. Which is like the murder of the friend. You almost get like the murder 
Mm. Then you're following random people. Mm. And then the last two episodes, you're back to the murder and like the center of the group. Like they're all coming together now. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a scene between Elliot and he's introduced to this guy named Sammy, who's like this like businessman slash like really underground like drug lord or some shit. Yeah, I thought that scene was funny, but still really good because um, he's he's Elliot's brought to this like one of these goons picks him up and he's like Sammy wants to meet you. And my head is like picturing Sammy like in some shady part of town or maybe in a, like a nice mansion, like an obviously drug drug cartel mansion or something like that, a mm-hmm. gangster's mansion or something like that, right? Instead, he's brought into like this office building and he's brought up to like, I don't know, like the 15th floor or some shit like that mm-hmm. in this very office type area. Yeah. And like jazz is playing, come to find out it's like one of his records. And the guy, Sammy, is like a big fan of Elliot. He's mm. like, oh, I love the club, Eddie. I love the music. Hey, you want a drink? You want Like, he's fanboying all over mm-hmm. the guy. And you have an idea that, like, this dude, Sammy, is, like, very dangerous. Yeah. Like, he's killed people and shit like that. Like, at one point, he has his goon um, beat the shit out of uh, Katarina. Um, but I, I, that, I, I was enjoying that. Because it was like we, it's like we had a really bit of forward momentum with like this whole murder mystery. Yeah, like you're you're finally getting the face behind maybe the murder. Or yeah, and whatever. like all this chaos that's been laid out in front of Elliot, like at this at this crucial moment uh, with the uh, for the club. Yeah, um, but then it was really annoying because when he tries to go back to the office, mm. apparently he doesn't exist. Like Sammy never. Yeah, he's mysterious. There. Yeah, which is why would you write that? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, that's it's like little... it's not. It's plausible that he would have legitimate business to cover for his not legitimate business. Mm-hmm. So make him stay in the office, like. Yeah, or like explain that like all oh, this guy he's only in this office once a year or something like that. Yeah, that make it make it seem like he's constantly mobile. That's why we've never heard of this guy or what you know. Even yeah. though, come to find out, the cops have been after this guy. Yeah. Which is like, whoa, whoa, you're also, aware of this dude? <laughs> the cops were annoying. Yo, I don't remember. I don't remember. What, I, I, that's how bad it was. I don't remember that character's name. But the fact that, like, Elliot, like, even though there are times when Elliot was actually, like, did lie to her. Mm-hmm. But when the times where he was like, yo, like, my daughter's disappeared. I think it's this guy who's behind it. Can you please help me? She was just not hearing it. She was like, no, you're responsible for your friend's death. What? what, what? <laughs> like, my daughter is gone. Yeah, or he's like, I need, like, she's missing. I need help finding her. Mm-hmm. There was another time where he was like, no, like, I can't go with you right now. Like, yeah, I'm legitimately doing something really important with my kid. Like, yeah, it's like there was there was each each time where, like, um, Elliot and Julie were, like, having a really, like, that really big fight that they've been like leading up to that they are they are going to have and they're going to have a resolution at the end but cops came in it was like we need to ask you questions what like and it it just really fucked up the story it did it made it really disjointed um and then even when he starts being honest Mm -hmm. she's like well i don't believe you anyway Mm -hmm. like like why should i believe you like and then finally at that she got that point she's like all right i believe you now <laughs> like okay so no lie because i had a lead character who's black mm. i kind of almost thought that there was some kind of commentary somewhere about the fact that like black people don't really trust the police 
Mm, okay. And I thought that's why he his motivation was for lying. Like, mm. like in my mind, because I'm trying to understand, because I'm very obviously not black. Yeah. Um, there's no reason for him to lie to the cops. Yeah, there was actually no reason for him to lie. I mean, other than like he was paranoid that the club was gonna club was gonna go. I'm oh, sorry, the club was gonna close down. Mm-hmm. But like, that was they played that card too much that it got annoying. Yeah. I think they would have the better card to play is mm. if you're going to make someone lie to the cops for no reason. Mm. It shouldn't be about the club. It should just be because he was Hotep. Like he didn't uh, trust, don't mm. trust the police, don't trust anybody mm. except oh, that his ex-wife yeah. was white, which wouldn't fly. Yeah, or we, yeah, we, we could have just made a simple like, yeah, the cops are not trustworthy. Because maybe one of them is on the payroll or some shit. Something. Like, yeah. But maybe they thought that was too obvious or something. But like, It would have worked. Playing the club card is too obvious. So. Um, the music, though. The music. That music was hella good. I like that music. I w- I've been listening to the soundtrack the past couple of days. I'm really picky about jazz. Mm. Um, I liked some of what I heard and some of it I didn't. Well, that's how jazz is. <laughs> <laughs> that's just music in general. Some you like it, some you don't. Yeah, okay. I, I dug it. I really like the music. Um, I like one scene that I actually think that it, that I think is actually the best musical scene and didn't re- really require any instruments was the episode with Jude where he was pretty much saying goodbye to his girlfriend or his ex-girlfriend because he had gotten married. And there's that scene where they're in, the, uh, they're in that diner mm-hmm. and they're him and his see here we go jude had a better resolution with his Mm ex-girlfriend than elliot and and julie did yeah where come to find out like his girlfriend she thought she was pregnant and it was like a false pregnancy it wasn't a false pregnancy she miscarried oh miscarried okay yeah she she miscarried but jude used to be like a heroin addict and he said that like when he found out she was pregnant he was going to clean up but she was actually happy that it did miscarry because she felt that he would not have been a good father. Mm-hmm. And it was like this moment that, we, that it had been building up that entire episode, that confrontation between the two. And then at the, like at the end of that, the scene between the two, you know, he starts singing to her. And then everybody in that diner starts singing along too. And because I guess it's a well-known song. Mm-hmm. And they start like banging their hands on the table and like making a beat out of it. Yeah. And his ex-girlfriend and her new, her now husband are dancing. When I saw that, I thought it was going to be like a dream or something that mm-hmm. he imagined all of it. But the fact that it was real made it even better. Yeah. Um, for the music only, mm. I'm going to say that um, Jude's episode mm-hmm. uh, reinforced the idea in me that a bass player mm-hmm. like the bass yeah is a very underrated instrument oh absolutely like i feel like the bass is just as if not maybe more important than the drums oh absolutely yeah i think so too like it adds a lot of soul mm. into like any song yeah um and also i think saxophone is overrated okay i like the trumpet a little bit more i like the trumpet too mm. trumpet could be fun um i so uh you had saw that they might be making a second season i think so i'm 
I'm mildly curious to see what happens next because Elliot is now working with the cops, and he made he's, he's kind of gonna kind of kind of go he's kind of gonna go under undercover, I guess, or work with the cops to help bring down this Sammy gangster guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he had to make him like a silent partner because yeah. he threatened him and and like blew up like the top floor. Yeah, uh, he did a what a Molotov cocktail. Yeah, and now the Eddie, um, the band, the Eddie got like this record deal. And we're going to see how that pops off. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to see how that plays out if we get a second season. I'm not I'm not going to be really excited, but like... You'll watch it and see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely check it out whenever it comes back. But sorry, I mean, also, I thought the music was great. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think? What, what do you think about it in the end? Um, I was underwhelmed. Mm. Um, I was a little underwhelmed, too. But I'm not going to say I was angry about wasting my time watching it. Gotcha. Like, Hollywood pissed me off. <laughs> but the show, I'll say that I, it was uncomfortable at times because mm-hmm. of the level of anxiety mm-hmm. um, with the characters. But um, I, I'll watch the first couple episodes of the next season. Okay. And see if it's worth sticking around. Yeah. I'll probably just, though I can't even guarantee I'll finish the season, because I never finished, like, Iron Fist. <laughs> you never finished, like, anything. If it's bad, I'm just, you know what? You know, Euphoria wasn't bad. I know, but then, I know, I know, I keep fucking up. And then you're like, oh, we'll, we will watch it, and then, then you start picking on me about you should watch it by yourself. And then you're like, no, 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 I'm sorry, you know, we should watch it together, because we were watching it together. No, no, you should watch it by yourself. Hey. If you want to watch it by yourself, go ahead. I'm not going to be angry with you. <laughs> go. Venture out. Mm. Fly like a bird. Freedom. Mm. Freedom to watch whatever you want. Sure. Freedom. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? That's it. Oh, okay. That's what you're going to say? That's <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> okay. So that's going to be in for our review for the Eddie. Yes. And... Oh, I gotta get to the other tab. <laughs> uh, we have to do our geriatric cinematic. I want a man who knows what he wants. I know what I want. My music. Everything else is secondary. What you and I do is not make love. <laughs> what would you call it, Dad? It's definitely not making love. You ever heard of the Mo Better? Mo what? Mo Better makes it Mo Better. What about the others? I like her too. I like women. When you said it was a million and one shot, they wear the same dress and the same day and see each other. <laughs> like it or not, you're a dog. You're a good doggy, but you're a dog nonetheless. Get off! What? What did you call me? Bleak, how in the hell can you call me by her name? Boy, they got all kind of people in this club tonight. Look at that little ugly guy at the bar. Hey, fella! <laughs> Trying to sneak in here in the color section. I see you. He's a horrible manager. Everybody can see that but you. The midget should go bleak. You know my name is Giant. Every night we go over this. Look, Giant is my friend. Giant? I mean, that's a joke. Is that a joke? It's a joke. We couldn't manage a little league team. Minor league. You keep coming up short. You No, 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 no. It's because she's white. Is she white? Because she's white. Yes. Oh. Yeah, she's a nun. Won't give me none, ain't had none. Told me she 
didn't, she didn't need none. So we decided to do Mo Better Blues. Mo Better Blues. Dun, 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 dun. Mo Better Blues. That's the intro music for the show. movie. Mo Better Blues. I'm Sorry. surprised you're not being more like Mo Better Blues like how you usually do. Okay. No, no. Yeah, you know, no. more twangy in your voice. <laughs> okay. That's how you usually are. Do it, do it. No, I'm not going to do it. Shut yeah, up. Yeah, do it. Shut up. <laughs> read, read the reason no, they already got your throat gargles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's enough punishment for today. <laughs> um, now i got to scroll down the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read it. Uh, the synopsis is uh, jazz trumpet. Jazz trumpeter Bleak Gilliam makes questionable questionable decisions in his professional and romantic lives. Directed and written by Spike Lee. He also did She's Gotta Have It, School Days, and Black Klansman. And a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, lots of other bunch, stuff. Bunch, 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 bunch. Uh, of course, that's Denzel Washington, Spike Lee, Wesley Snipes, uh, Young Carlo Esposito. It was really... I'm not going to lie. When I saw him in there, I was like, damn, he looks young in this fucking movie. He was really young, but he yeah. was, also he was really kind of like artistic and flamboyant I completely, in like a Jeffrey Wright as Basquiat kind of way. I completely forgot that he's in Do the Right Thing as a very like Hotep type character. Really? Yeah, but it's like funny. Oh, okay. He also kind of, I think he plays that kind of role really well. What, Black Roll or Hotepis? Well, I, yeah, I think so, because he, like, from his Breaking Bad days, mm-hmm. like, he could be very serious. Yeah, there was a bunch of movies he's done, and you just swore that dude is black, maybe mixed with something. But then when you see him in Breaking Bad, you're just like, yo, that dude's like Cuban or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can relate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... Do you know any of these other people? Uh, let me see. Daniel Washington's in it. Spike Lee, Wesley Snipes, uh, Giancarlo Espadito. Uh, <laughs> you always say Espadito. Espadito. Esposito. Esposito. Uh, <laughs> Robin Harris, Joey Lee, Bill Nunn, uh, John Turturro. Oh, yeah. Uh, John brother. Turturro and his brother. Yeah, Nicholas Turturro's in it. Uh, Samuel Jackson <laughs> pops up in here, which I completely forgot he was in this movie. <laughs> Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy's in it. That's right. That's why I was, I was sitting there uh-huh. a couple times because he was one of the bouncers. Yeah, yeah, Eggy. And I was like, he looks like Eddie Murphy, <laughs> which is funny because they don't look anything alike. I think they look like, especially when they smile, they look exactly alike. Yeah, maybe because he was smiling in the scenes that he was in because mm. he was like picking on the other guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, I've actually never seen Mo Better Blues. I've seen uh, quite a few Spike Lee films, but this one, I, it just flew over me. Um, so this is actually, when we watch, this is actually my first go at the movie. Um, uh, as obvious, this is Kelsey's first go. Um, so let me let me go ahead and take her spot at the beginning. Um, How I, dare you? I know, right? Um, I actually like this movie. I really dug this movie. It's a Spike Lee film, so there are times where it's a bit slow. Um, but I, I really saw this as a tragic story, um, about this character bleak and his obsession with jazz and how that obsession, obsession essentially is like going to destroy him. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a huge fucking problem with the ending, but we'll, we'll get that. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Um, 
performances Denzel Washington is fucking amazing absolutely amazing um I did like Cindy Williams as Clark uh Wesley Snipes being Wesley Snipes is Wesley Snipes Cinda Cinda Williams Cinda Williams thank you Cinda Williams um I'm trying to think who else I really like Giancarlo I did like his performance it was really great to see Robin Harris um Robin Harris you don't you don't remember Robin Harris actually shows up in um Harlem Knights. He plays as one of Richard Pryor's uh, guys. He has a very, very small role in that movie. Harlem Knights Black Man Fights? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, as soon as I said the movie Harlem Knights, that thought went, shit, she's gonna say it. <laughs> you <laughs> saw me too. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I saw it rolling behind rolling behind those eyes that you're gonna say that shit. <laughs> uh, but, and this movie kind of follows the typical, like, Spike Lee formula, dolly shots, mm. um, a lot of close-ups, a lot of ping-pong conversations, um, weird lighting. There's like a lot of red lighting in this in this movie. But there was one scene that I thought he did really well, and um, it's when Denzel Washington is with the girls, and he's getting them mixed up. I thought that was that, that scene was great. I fully agree with you on that scene. But go on. Um, it's weird because it's very ping-pongy. Mm-hmm. And it also has the dolly shots. Yeah. But he actually uses it to his advantage this time. Yeah. yeah. And then you get the blue and the red on, on, like, glistening off of their black skin. Yeah. And and the only other movie, like, the re- the most recent movie I can think of that did anything like that mm-hmm. was Queen and Slim. Oh, okay. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's what I liked about that. <laughs> what else did you like about the movie? Um... It's like a like, but also hate. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, what I really liked about the movie was their ability, the ability to tell the story of someone who's so obsessed with with um, anything, really. Mm. But he's so obsessed with music that he completely misses the fucking mark on everything else in his life. Yeah. And I absolutely hate it when when somebody like has potential mm-hmm. to be something and they either don't believe they can or they lie to themselves and say they don't want it. Yeah. Or, you know, like I don't know. So like I'm happy they told the story because it that was told well enough. Um just sad that it was a tragic story. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um I got to ask you, because you've never, um, this is your second Spike Lee film. Your first one was what? Black Klansman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as we get, as, as we go into old black, uh, Spike Lee films, you'll see a lot of Spike Lee in him, in these movies. Like he, he has a predominantly, uh, he has an important role in this one. He has an important role in Malcolm X. He has a very important role in like, um, do the right thing. I think girl six. Or yeah, I think girl six. No, she gotta have it. I'm sorry. Um, what? I have to, so I have to ask you, what do you think of Spike Lee's performance? Um, I didn't think it was bad. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was awe inspiring. Oh really? Yeah. I, like, I don't think I like, so. I don't think like so either. Denzel obviously was the main character, and he was obviously the star. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. 
he was annoying in the in the way that his character should be annoying. Spike Lee. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I think he was good for his role. I honestly think they could have just got anybody else to do that role. Like, yeah, I really they don't. Could have. I don't. I like. I. I. Spike Lee. He. He wrote, produced, and wrote. He sorry. He wrote, produced, and directed this, and star and co-starred in it. Mm-hmm. I think he could have taken away that co-star part and give it to somebody else, and then focus on the directing and the writing, because. Like I said, that third act kind of like pisses me the fuck off. <laughs> um, I thought it was really interesting the um, the dynamic between him and the women. Um, Bleak and and uh, Clark. What was oh in Clark and Indigo, right? Yeah. Mm. Um. So I remember telling you this the other night. I actually am bothered by the fact that. They portrayed this relationship the way they did. Who? Like Spike Lee or whatever. Between Denzel and the two women. Oh, okay. Because, um, I don't know, like, I would like to think that we're all progressive as we, you know, move on to the new millennia and new, you know, Mm. whatever. But even now, like, Hollywood almost always writes that if a male has more than one love interest, or even if a female does, mm-hmm. um, that it's a negative thing, always. I think that's because of its, of the time. Because this, this movie came out in the 90s, and ba- even back then in the 90s, even though we were progressing forward as in, like, sexuality and relationships... It was still. It still was a long way to go to what we are. What, the, how the world is now, and how the world views that. I don't know. I think it's still like that, though. Oh really? Yeah, like racism doesn't go away, and so does prejudice against how people choose to live their lives doesn't go away. That is true. It's it's a little bit more understanding and more forgivable now. So I it shouldn't be forgivable. I mean, it should just be a. That's just somebody's life. Just mm-hmm. accept it and everything. Um. But do you, do you have a sense? Did you have a sense that like Bleak actually loved both these women, or you think he was actually just? That's the problem I have. I don't mm. think he loved either one of them. Mm, okay. I think he loved his music, and mm. he was around them because he. I don't know. Maybe he had more. Like they made him feel good, and if mm. they make him feel good, then he's able. Like everything in his world is right, and he can do his music. But the minute he fucks up with them, he starts fucking up with his music and mm. like and his other things. Yeah. And it all goes bad. Yeah. And like maybe he needed them more than he realized he did, mm-hmm. but I still don't think it was healthy. Mm. Um and anyways, I get a sense that Indigo knew about Clark already. They they both knew about each other. Which is fine, but it's, yeah. like, also one of those things, like, like as a guy, you should know, you should not buy something. <laughs> like, you shouldn't do that. Like, especially you if that the, person... The, you talking about the dress scene? Yeah. Okay. Like uh, it, you gotta elaborate on that for people who haven't seen it. I was going to. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, he buys dresses from France. Mm-hmm. And sends them to the women, and they're the same red dress, and they both show up to the club on the same night, mm-hmm. and Indigo never goes, but now they're both there, 
and um like i like i don't know i used to be married and now i realize that you're boxed in if you're married and so i'm kind of on like in the same mind frame now of like whatever goes Mm -hmm. and so like the fact that these two women know about each other is cool but it's still very irritating to know that another woman got the same thing you did like so that means the person that they're seeing doesn't think either either one of them is special yeah because he's treating them the same yeah like he could have treated them special in his own way or in their in their own special way you know like yeah like got them different dresses or you know like buy one jewelry or one address or mm -hmm. like like if you're gonna go to france don't buy them a dress at all buy them something from france that's like unique to that spot that you know that they would like yeah and also did he never think that indigo might show up to the club one day like because like she like he said like she like they they talked about a little bit about how he how she never would come to the club or she doesn't really like the whole club scene or, or she doesn't she doesn't like going to clubs at all yeah and like you know there's a bit of a like tension where clark and indigo show up at the club the same night wearing the same dress yeah and it's really just like yo dude you never think that was gonna happen like come on man <laughs> come on yeah Especially a guy who claims to be smart. Like, that is really stupid. <laughs> I think he didn't really care because they knew about each other and he thought, oh, we're all adults. Yeah. Like, they know about each other, so they're not going to have any issue. <sighs> like, they might get a little irritated, but they'll get over it. Yeah. And that's that's him kind of like not really giving enough credit to these women. Like, to, to actually think, like, well, they might have an issue with it, or at least, like, really... I mean, granted, if he talked about... If he at least talked it out with him, we wouldn't be getting this movie. Yeah. We wouldn't have played out it is, so... But it really plays to the level of ignorance that this guy, that Bleak, does have. Well, I mean, with a mother like he had. Yeah, his mother was... Damn, she was just pushy. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny they use the same kids... From the beginning of the scene as I did the ending. Yeah. that I did like All of them. Even the kid that was from that household. Yeah, who played his son. Yeah. The one who played his son played a younger version of Bleak. Yeah. It makes complete sense. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, they end up in the same house that he grew up in. Yeah. And so they cloned him and made a kid. Yes, because cloning was possible in the 90s. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I have a... There's a there's an issue I a big issue I have with the movie. Um, so the, this movie has been building up to like Bleak having this tragic ending. Um, it seems like the band his band wants to do their own thing. He's kind of going back and forth with Wesley Snipes, who wants to have his own band. Um, the band wants more money because they are packing the house and. Um, Bleak's friend Giant, played by Spike Lee, is not his 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 skills for negotiating is crap because he can't convince the club owners to give him more money. So at one point, Bleak fires Giant. Um, he pretty much tells the girls to kick rocks once they confront him about the fact that he's seen these two women at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where um, where Bleak gets like his lip busted and he can't play the trumpet anymore. 
and years like a year like a year goes by his lip is healed his girl his girls have left him the band has left him he can't play anymore and there's a scene where like blake like runs to indigo's apartment and he's just like i love you i'm so sorry all this kind of stuff and like he he took like he was really just begging for that girl to save his life, which I found very fucking annoying. It was annoying. Like, and it, uh, and she's like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to save you? And he's like, yes, save me. Yeah. And he's like hugging her and, and like, like kissing her and stuff like that. Yeah. And that also kind of reminds me of how things ended with my ex. Oh, really? Yeah. It was kind of like that. Do you want to talk? Cause I actually had a question I wanted to ask you, but I don't know if, you're if you don't want to talk about it we don't have to it has to be about something he said and i was thinking if that if that's something that happened in your when the relationship between your husband were falling apart it, it did what did that it, it, it did it was like that okay so can i ask you a question if yeah, not we don't yeah talk. go ahead so there's a saying where like denzel asks uh, or bleak asks indigo not he doesn't ask her he tells her like i want to have a baby with you mm-hmm. and um if I remember correctly, when you and your husband were coming to the end of the relationship, he kind of pulled that same that same shit, didn't he? Yeah. No, because I wanted three. Mm. He only, first of all, mm. he wanted two, but before the second one was born, mm. he really only wanted the one. Mm, okay. And then we chose to have the second one, and then we we were talking about the third one, but he knew I wanted one, and he thought that would be enough. Just the two? No, to he thought the idea of having a third one would be enough mm. to keep me. Okay, so that idea that 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 happened towards the end of the relationship, when you told him it was over, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I I've never I've never have been married, and I've never gotten to that point where like I was like, no, we gotta have another baby. Is that like a common thing where the guy's like, no, let's have another baby, like to try to save the the. Yeah, I, people I, have kids to try to save marriages. No, I I know that, but like I've only, uh, and I'm trying not to sound sexist or misogynistic. Or I've only ever heard that from the woman's side of perspective. Like, and I this this goes to how fucked up I've the shit I've experienced, where the woman will get pregnant to keep the guy. Oh, and I'm just I'm just it kind of it kind of this movie kind of flips it, where the guy's like, no, I want to have a baby so that we can be together. Yeah, and that that that's the thing that kind of like really bugged the fuck out of me, because it, it it goes into like the whole like yo dude like a baby ain't gonna save your fucking marriage or your relationship. If the relationship is crap, it's gonna be crap. Some people it does. That it saves. Yeah, because some people are able to hide um, enough of what they want, mm-hmm. um, and especially where kids are concerned. Like if you love kids, you're probably gonna want to be. I don't know, like um. I know there are people who stay in, at least if there's like a mutual respect or mutual understanding. They stay for the kids and shit. They stay for the kids. Yeah, I, that I've I've seen that happen before. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> back to the movie. <laughs> so that that whole this whole thing near the end really bugged that shit out of me, and not you and I kind of discussed this last night, and we were both equally annoyed that he has this thing where he's begging her. And I've always been raised not to beg. It's just oh yeah, it's something very. It's, I feel it's something just very disrespectful. But you were able to quantify this better. You said that it would have been better if he was showed a vulnerability. Yeah, like okay, 
if I was with someone and they hurt me mm-hmm. or whatever, and I was like, I don't want anything to do with you. Do you honestly think that someone who's hurt is actually going to make a decision like quick like mm-hmm. that? Do you think maybe they're hurt in the moment and by you not going to that person and saying, hey, I'm sorry, you know, like if you don't want anything to do with me, I understand, but I want to like just talk to you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like you're not begging, but you're also kind of letting that person know that one, you care. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if you're saying, oh, I'm not going to beg, and then you never go to that person, mm-hmm. then they're going to say, okay, well, then he really was a dick. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to want to talk to you again. Okay. Um, but at the same time, like, if you're going to someone that you've hurt and you're not begging, like, begging is really annoying, right? But being vulnerable is not, then you're... Yeah, I don't think that's ever ever annoying being vulnerable there is like a fine line i think and people get it confused Mm, okay okay. like going to somebody in general is not begging Mm -hmm. uh being selfish and asking for things instead of trying to have a conversation is begging Mm. having a trying to have a conversation is not begging yeah and i feel like they weren't really having a conversation it was just him saying, save me. And she kept pushing him away. Yeah. And then the, and here's what the thing, here's where it really starts bothering me. Like I said, it said he was like, I want to have a baby with you. And at no point, at no point that like they seem like, first of all, I, if it was, let's say if it was between him and Clark, mm-hmm. I would have totally believed the let's have a baby thing. Because the relationship between him and Clark seemed a lot stronger between him and Indigo. And so him going to, and I know, I know story, story wise, it, it couldn't be possible because Clark ends up with Wesley Snipes character. But the fact that he went to Indigo and like did all that, I was just like, yo, what was the relationship between you and Indigo? Like, I didn't really get a sense that there was anything that strong oh, between the two. I'm, I'm opposite you. Really? So you thought the relationship was strong between him and Indigo? Clark was the female version of a fuck boy. Oh, I don't want to say that about Clark. She was like Clark was pretty fine too. Exactly, <laughs> okay, she okay. was just there for fun. Okay, I got you. Okay, and she was n- nagging. She was like a nagging kind of person too. Mm, okay. Um. So, but I felt like Indigo was more stable, mm-hmm. and like she got irritated at him in the very beginning, but because, um. What was it? She was going to be late. Mm. I don't know. Like, she kind of wanted more than he did. Yeah. Like, and I felt like that was a relationship thing, but then Clark just wanted to further her career. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So I think one was more fun and the other one was more serious. Okay. But it wasn't, so maybe, I don't know, maybe that's why you gravitated more towards that one. Why? Because Clark was more fun? Yeah, I know. I just got a, I just got a better, I just got a better set of uh, chemistry between him and Clark. I, I was just feeling that more, and I actually felt, um, I there were a scene or two where like I could see Clark kind of nagging. There was even a part where like he kind of tuned her out because he was really um, getting into his music because he was doing a new a new song. Mm-hmm. But I didn't take that as him like tuning her out because oh she's nagging. I took it him as he's tuning her out because he's super hyper focused when it comes to his music, and it shows like the level of dedication. Like even if I, I thought it was both. Okay, because I think if if Indigo was there, it would have been the exact same thing. He would have tuned her out as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's... 
I don't know if you know, like, the difference, but, like, um, you know how you can, like, love someone but not be in love with them? Mm-hmm. And if you're not in love with that person, it pretty much means, like, the fun isn't there. Mm-hmm. You just respect them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been there. Okay. I was at a fucking horrible relationship for five years. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm saying I think that he loved, even though he wasn't in love with Indigo, Mm -hmm. I think he loved her Mm, on a deeper level because, like, the fire wasn't there, but he felt more of, like, a connection with her because she was so stable and so, like, like, nurturing, I guess. So his mother. Yeah. All men want to marry their mother. No, not his mother. <laughs> She's the mother he never had. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Mm. That's true. So the so the that scene is not the biggest problem for me. The biggest problem is how we just get a montage at breakneck speed on uh, Bleak and Indigo um, living together. She gets pregnant. He gets married. They have a kid. And they end up at the house he grew up in. And the way how the movie played out, it seemed like it was leading to the possibility that either Bleak loses his talent as a jazz artist and just like just takes in the life of, of fucking mediocrity, or he dies at one point. Yeah. And I took like I thought that's how it was gonna play out. And I thought the I thought the movie would have been really powerful if he did that because it would have just been like uh, it could have showed that your obsession will destroy you. Right. And I thought that would have been great, but instead we got like this really happy ending that I felt honestly it was very undeserving. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't, and I don't know that it was happy though. Like, I don't know. Maybe it would only be happy for other people, but maybe mm-hmm. for people who are kind of going through that level of mediocrity and mm. haven't hit their breaking point yet mm. maybe they would see it more as a tragic ending but he never got a sense that it was a tragic ending i mean you never got a sense it was a tragic ending for for bleak even even if even if it was just like the life he got was just like whatever it seemed like he was just happy he was actually happy with that the level of musical genius that he was mm. and how obsessed he was with it mm. anything less than that is tragedy See, uh, 100% agree. I just wish they conveyed that message. And if, if they conveyed that message, then I would have been like, all right, I like that ending. Because yeah. it shows that this is a tragic ending for him. But it seems like he it seemed like he, he gave the trumpet to um, Giant and was just like, I'm done. Yeah, and it was quick and easy. Like, that's yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Like, we didn't even get like, we got like a little bit of a downfall. But when it like nosedive, the nosedive was just like that. Yeah, it was like real quick and you didn't stew in it at all. Yeah, exactly. And that was it. And and then his kids playing the trumpet. Mm. I honestly think that maybe Spike Lee probably wrote a, maybe a tragic ending. And then whoever he gave the script to look at, they were just like, yo, this thing is pretty fucked up. You should probably change that. Or and some someone was probably like, 
why do you have to write black black people like that? Like you said the other night. <laughs> yeah, why you gotta why you gotta have black people tragically ending like that? Why can't we have like a positive ending stuff like that? I've been all for a positive ending if we got an idea of there was going to be a, a good outlook for this guy. I mean, if you're going to write a positive ending, at least make it earned. Exactly. I like, d- you I- can't just write a positive ending because it's good for black people because that's a disservice then. Yeah, because you're just, like, forcing into it. And you kind of, like, you didn't... One, you, you'll you make... like well, He made me feel like it was not deserving at all. I don't know what other people's consensus are on this movie. I, I have not read the reviews on this. One, actually, I take that back. I think one headline I saw was like, the jazz is great, but the story's messy. Mm-hmm. That's like the headline I read. Um, the story can be somewhat messy, but like I said, that ending just kind of like throws that shit out the window. Like, yo, dude, like, what did you fucking... Like, you could have had something really great if you just fucking went at it. Mm-hmm. So that's like my... that That is honestly my biggest problem with this movie. It's just that, that ending, that last five minutes. Yeah. It was just like, uh, okay. We're done with this, I guess. <laughs> um, I do want to give a shout out to that scene where he's um, where uh, Giant is getting taken and got he's about to get the shit kicked out of him by Samuel Jackson and the other goon. Mm-hmm. And you see, uh, he's like they're dragging Giant out, and Bleak is still playing the trumpet, and like the scene, like the lighting is like red as fuck, mm-hmm. and you can tell he's just like piss and he's going to town on that trumpet yeah and it seemed like that was like his best show right before he gets his life torn to shit yeah yeah that was good so i thought i thought that was actually pretty dope how that played out yeah i did also like the <laughs> i really enjoyed the 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 dressing room scenes where oh, they showed, yeah. showed the band just fucking around i was like yo this is my, my fucking uncles yeah <laughs> yeah messing around so all in all, what did you think about this movie? Um, uh, did I like it? I'll say the ending messed it up enough to make it... Not likable? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, I like the music. Mm-hmm. And um, I like seeing Denzel Washington. Mm. And the story is not that great. But it's not like super bad, mm-hmm. but the ending messes it up so bad that you almost can't remember the rest of it. Do you think? I mean, I'll, 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 I'll actually, I'll just ask you first. Do you think it holds up? I feel like I know your answer, but do you think it holds up? No. No. I kind of don't think it holds up either. I, I doubt I would revisit this movie. Actually, I think the only way I might revisit it is if I want to like really analyze every scene. Yeah. To, like, break it down. But other than that, like... To learn something from it, too. Because mm. there's some things that were actually pretty good about the direction. Oh, yeah. And like, then some things that were really awful about it. <laughs> yeah, one of, the, one of the typical things that Spike Lee does... <laughs> that's It's so fucking hilarious is that he he'll, he'll have jazz playing in the background. Even if it's not a jazz movie, he'll have jazz playing in the background. Sometimes that overshadows the fucking dialogue. Yeah. Um... I don't think it holds up because the direction's bad, but I also don't think it holds up because of how they portrayed the relationship. The relationship. Gotcha. Um, okay, so what? Who do you who do you think did it better, uh, the Eddie or Mo Better Blues? Like the kind of whole, I want to say like the jazz lifestyle and you know the the art of jazz. I'll say the Eddie. The Eddie. They they did it. 
better. It was more inclusive. Mm. Um, if you're going to make a movie or a show about music, it should be more about the music. Mm. Um, and it was in the Eddie because almost every every character in the Eddie, their motivation for being in that band and going through some of the things that they were going through was mm. for their love of music. Mm. Um, but that didn't take away from like their personal life, right? Like, mm. so you got a little bit more well-rounded, yeah. Um, you know, as opposed to the whole '90s formula of yeah, you have music, but you also have this love triangle going on. Gotcha. And you know, a very disrespectful male in the center of it. Gotcha. Um, if I have to say who did it better, <sighs> okay, I'll say that. I will say that Mobiter Blues did the obsession of jazz better. Yeah. I did I did think like his love for even though like they didn't they weren't really throwing out names, like dropping jazz names or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you got a sense that like this dude's obsession with jazz and like the art of jazz is gonna like destroy him. Unfortunately that didn't happen, but I think that whatever it was that made Udo mm-hmm. fall from grace, like like Denzel Washington, you see his fall, and I think um, Elliot Udo already had the fall. Had his fall because he didn't want to play anymore. He just yeah, wanted to true. manage a band. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and so that was. I think there was. They were two different places. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, so I would. Who did it better? I would probably say maybe the. Maybe the Eddie did the whole art of jazz better. Um, it really. F- focus on the music and then like what the music can accomplish, especially people who are in love with the art of jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mo Better Blues did it more like it, it did it. It did it in a, in a negative way. It's almost, it almost made jazz very dirty, even though some, even though the idea of jazz can be dirty, but there's like a bit of poetic nature to the dirtiness. Cause there's so much history behind jazz. Mm-hmm. This one just made Mo Better Blues made jazz grimy. Like, ew, I don't want to touch that stuff. Yeah. You know, and and the Eddie, we had, like, the chaos of jazz, but we still, it, it, took nothing, it took nothing away from the art of jazz of it being very beautiful and very, like, interconnecting with people's lives. Mobile Blues kind of didn't do that at all. It just made jazz look nasty. Yeah, exactly. So, I'd probably say maybe, like, the Eddie probably did a better. I'll have to agree with you on that one. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't, like I said, I'm interested in seeing what happens next season for the eddie mm-hmm. mo better blues i wouldn't care to see what happens after <laughs> with those people yeah unless they made a movie about his son and he did something different i can see that yeah hmm. all right so that is gonna be it for this week uh by the time you guys listen to this it will probably be on a thursday um we took our sweet time on this one because we can we're busy we're busy so you can catch all of our episodes on all podcast catchers uh spotify stitcher itunes all that jazz um next week we are i think i think we're gonna be probably sticking with this format going back to the old format of two films and seeing which one holds up and all that kind of stuff pretty much what the show is all about so next week we are going to um, we're going to do Netflix's The Lovebirds, uh, Issa Rae and Kamal Nanjiani, and we're going to team that up with 1986 Something Wild. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, never seen something wild. No, I take that back. I think I did watch a scene mm-hmm. of something wild when I was fuck like little. When I was like thir- not thirteen, on like channel thirteen out here. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um. So yeah, Netflix's uh, Love Birds comes out this friday which is the 22nd and something something's wild you guys can catch something's something wild on hbo now go or rent it on voodoo if you guys want to join along i'm excited because this friday i get to leave my work from home desk early (laughs) okay get to go (laughs) you leave your work from home desk and go to your couch, which is like... Two feet away. Two feet away. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, every time we have a holiday, uh-huh. we get the day previous. Off. Oh, Like, okay. we get the day... We get to leave at 3 o'clock the day previous. Oh, gotcha, So, gotcha. since Memorial Day is on Monday, mm. we get to leave work at 3 o'clock on Friday. <laughs> okay. Which, to me, mm. makes me feel I have like I have a whole new, another day because it feels like such a, a long time from the day... I, the time I log off to when I go to bed. Gotcha. So I feel happy because I have like a forty weekend. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so the topic of that um, episode will be called "Love Is in the Air," or is it? Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, I'm gonna bid you guys adieu. We hope you guys are staying safe. Uh, please come back and check out that episode. Oh. Oh, almost forgot to mention this is our 50th episode oh yeah Woo! <laughs> fucking milestone <laughs> fucking 50 episodes yeah ah oh, it only seems so long ago <laughs> you did the the killing eve song is that killing eve yeah and they go da 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 i was just trying to be like dream like back when i was young (laughs) (laughs) i was never to call for the special effects department at any studio no ever great 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 (laughs) all right so like i said bid you guys adieu uh i want to leave you guys some helpful words that uh, came to me i was uh i was um telling my daughter to go to the bathroom before she went to bed. And she says she didn't. And then she peed in the bed. I came in the room. And I was like, did you pee in the bed? And she was like, no, daddy, I didn't. And I looked at her and I said, well, the words came to me. And this was from Bleak, played by Denzel Washington. The words were, I may have been born yesterday, but I stayed up all night. 